Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Folk Podcast. My name is Spencer George. If you have been listening, I am your host. I am joined here today by our amazing podcast producer, Vic, who is going to be chiming in at some points, so you haven't gotten a ton to hear Vic on audio yet, but you will get to today. So welcome to Victoria, and I am also joined here by our wonderful guest, a good friend of mine, an amazing musician, Nia Jay. Nia Jay was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and moved to North Carolina at a young age and has been living there ever since. She attended UNC Charlotte, where she began making music with the producer and friend Ike Byers. Together, the pair have collaborated to release several singles and a debut EP comprised of seven songs called Rabbit Hole. We will link to that below. Singer-songwriter Nia Jay's melodic music infuses sultry vocals and rich harmonies into contemporary R&B, producing a unique and introspective sound. She aspires to use both her pain and joy to create music that helps others. If you are not yet familiar with Nia's music, I will say it is unlike anything that I have listened to in the best of ways. It is creative and innovative. Nia is blending many different genres. You can easily see her talent for songwriting, her passion for what she does come through. She has been playing festivals across the state, um, largely based in Charlotte, getting lots of press since Rabbit Hole has come out. She is now living back in Southern Pines, um, Moore County, which is where Nia spent a lot of time growing up. And we're really lucky to have her here today. We're going to talk about all kinds of exciting things, um, including music, her rise to where she is now, finding your voice in artistry, learning how to trust that voice, passing the knowledge and wisdom that you have gained onto others, and mostly realizing that you can do all of these things in the place that you call home without having to give in to that specific pressure that I know many of us feel, which is to abandon everything you know and try to make art out of the chaos. But art does not always have to come from chaos. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Nia for anything that you would like to add onto that, or if you want to just go ahead and get right in and tell us a little bit about how you got started with music. What did that look like for you? And um, who were some of your early inspirations? Um, thank you, Spencer. Uh, the intro was perfect. I don't need to add anything in that regard. Um, almost made me cry. Uh, it just feels really good um, to know that people um, enjoy the music as much as I enjoy making it. So I started singing as a kid. Um, I taught myself like songs on a toy piano, um, mostly the classical stuff. I was really into things like that. I did choir growing up in church um, as well as in school. I was really into singing with others and like the energy that comes from that and just hearing like harmonies and stacks and layers, and things like that. Um, it wasn't until I think middle school that I realized that I had a pretty good voice because um, you know like your parents might tell you you can sing and your friends are like oh yeah but you just never know how you'll be received so in middle school I started doing talent shows and things like that in a more competitive way and um, realized I guess I could take my voice um, to the next level and use it for something bigger um, and then I kind of fell off in college I went to school for business and it just seemed like the practical 
thing to do at the time. Um, I didn't know uh, like what kind of career I could have as a singer or if I would go anywhere and it was kind of scary. So I think business felt more comfortable. So I think maybe it was sophomore year or maybe junior year, I, I kind of just realized that I wasn't going to be an executive at Target. Um, there was no use in applying for internships in that realm. I was like, I'm clearly a creative, whether that's solely music, whether it's art, whether, I don't know, just I know that I'm supposed to be doing music. So I worked with a friend of mine um, who's an exceptional guitarist and musician and producer. And we were able to put together a lot of music and record all in his bedroom. Uh, I've never recorded like formally in a studio. And yeah, uh, it's been nice to work with him to kind of figure out the genre that I like and um, how to fuse together the different sounds that just feel like cozy to me as an artist. And so now I'm in Southern Vines, not in Charlotte anymore, and trying to figure out, I guess, my next project. So I'm very interested in a couple of things you just brought up that I want to delve into a little further. Number one, um, actually two major things. Number one is this feeling of kind of destiny of like you're fighting against artistry, right? But you know it's something that you have to do. I think that is such a specific feeling for so many artists. And I definitely can relate to that of I wish I, I complain to people often. I wish I literally wanted to do anything else. Like, I wish I could just go into tech and be happy with that, right? Um, but also this idea that you kind of had to go this one path because it was the safe route and the smart route. And that's what you felt like you needed to do in order to even possibly do that first and have the opportunities to make music later. Was it terrifying in some sense to say, I'm not going to do the path. I tried this path that's expected of me. I don't think this is going to work out. I'm going to do something totally different. And especially like you said, you're making music, you know, in a bedroom, right? We joke often about when you get the email, right? <laughs> the idea for so many people. Yeah. When you start it, me and yeah. I have this running joke that um, when you're in the creative field, you know, every day you have to tell yourself like today is the day you get the email. And if, you know, when you're in the creative world, you, you can get an email that will change your life. And if you don't get that email that day, you tell yourself the same thing at night for the next day. <laughs> and you just keep saying that until it's true. But I do think there's this idea in artistry that you have to wait until you get that email to make things. And one thing I really appreciate about your journey um, and your own artistic practice is you've been doing it with or without the emails, right? Because at the end of the day, you have to kind of put yourself on that path in order for anybody to even find you to give you the email. But did that feel terrifying to say, you know what, like, screw it, I'm just going to start doing it? Yes. Um, and I just want to speak to what you said about, you know, waiting until you get the email, because I think by nature, I'm really cautious and everything has to be planned. And I don't like just working in the unknown realm. So I've traditionally have always been afraid to make music um, because I was like waiting, oh, I want to be like noticed by some record company or, you know, um, just have like the insurance with <laughs> just knowing like the music will go somewhere and be properly placed and like reach people. Um, so for a while, like I, I think that's why I gave it up because I'm like, it's not going to be a formal thing. I can't pay can't afford to have it like mastered. Um, but making music with Ike, yeah, it's definitely taught me that 
you kind of can just figure it out along the way. And the product is usually beautiful. So um, I definitely think that transitioning into being more of a full-time creative has been really challenging. Um, deciding not to pursue a full-time job, um, huge set of challenges, money <laughs> being probably the first one. Um, but I think the time that it gives me is really valuable because, you know, in those moments of just not being like slammed with work all day long, I get to kind of think more about where I want to go next with music and like writing. I love having more time to write. So scary, but um, so far worth it. And then with that, is there like something that you wish you could tell your younger self, like now having been through that journey of the transition and making those hard decisions, is there something like past you wish you had known for you when you got to this point of making that decision um, to like pursue art as a full time? Um, yeah, is there something that you wish you knew or like could have gone back and be like, little Nia, this is what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so many things, but I guess if I could only tell myself one thing, it to be it would be to go for it. You know, don't be so cautious. Don't wait for everything to feel like it's in place because uh, it I don't know if it ever will all be in place. So, you know, act now and use what you have to um like make the art that you want to see. Because I think, you know, if you wait too long to accumulate like resources and for the moment to be just right, you won't create what the world really needs to hear. Nia, I want to go back to thinking about you as a child. You mentioned um, kind of getting your start in music, doing things like church choir and schools. Right. That was correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been a day, y'all. Um, I think about this in the sense of the South, because I also grew up going to church, right? There is such a history of music in almost everyday life in a way that is embedded in this region that it's not always in other places um, because church culture, for better or for worse, is a thing here in a way that you might not find um, in certain other cities. Do you think you would have fallen into music kind of without that introduction? And do you find whether you are still religious or not, do you find um, that that has any influence on your sounds today, especially in the world of kind of R&B music? There is almost, you can trace it back in like a music history course, this influence of things like gospel and soul and music that was often really integrated with spirituality into the work. And your music does feel so soulful and spiritual. Do you, is that influence intentional or have you found that just comes naturally? Wow, I don't think I've ever given that any thought. And <laughs> I'm not sure if my music would be what it is today if I didn't sing in church choirs. And, you know, singing in church really gave me a voice in a sense because they put me on stage and they praised my work and my voice. And, you know, the, the praise goes a long way when you're doing creative work, you know, because it kind of tells you that what you're doing is good and worth doing more of. So. I don't know, without that that push, I don't know if it would have turned into something more. And I also think the spirituality part, um, thank you for saying that you can sense that in my music. I do think the 
the harmonies, the rich harmonies of, of choir, like choral music, um, like old spirituals, I definitely rely on heavily when I'm making music. Um, just that soothing sound. Uh, I mean, there's also pain in that. Um, those those really, you know, old spirituals that we did sing in choir. So um, trying to incorporate that is always my intention for sure. We're kind of witnessing this period musically. Um, like one of the first bands that comes to mind is The Dead Weather. If you don't know them, it's Jack White and Allison Mosshart, both of whom are in two other bands, both of whom are now based in Nashville. And they're doing a lot with this kind of like bluesy, soulful rock. Um, and I really feel like we're witnessing a moment where it's, an interesting time to be a Southerner, and it's especially an interesting time to be a Southern musician because we have a lot of musicians that are going back to their roots with these kinds of things, that are returning to the songs they sang in church choirs growing up, that are returning to the songs um, that their families played and sang. I'm thinking very specifically, I was raised on a lot of like Johnny Cash, a lot of Elvis, just saw the Elvis movie, <laughs> and I was... And I should have known this, but it was fascinating to see the amount of music that was really taken by him from other communities um, that wasn't his to take necessarily, but also may not have been given at that point in time, kind of the cultural precedence that it was. I'm thinking about now we are in a time where it does feel that you can really give right, rights where rights are due. Um, and I think we're seeing this kind of return to people's roots in a way that feels almost like coming home. Um, and it's really beautiful. And when I listen to your music, that's sometimes how it feels. It feels like, oh yes, you're coming back to your roots. And you can kind of sense that you're going through this journey. I know you and I have talked about this off this podcast, um, <laughs> but the idea that, you know, growing up wanting to be a musician or wanting to be an artist, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to leave, right? There's no opportunity for me here. And now you've just moved back to your hometown. <laughs> Has that journey kind of been reflected with your music? Like, I, th I think I can track it, but do you feel that that was intentional? And do you feel that like learning, you know, Charlotte's a big city, very different than the area you're living now, going from small town to big city, you know, having that experience, but still staying in state and then coming back. Is that something that's had an influence on your work? Do you, or do you consciously think about that? Yeah, I think when Alyssa and I, Alyssa's my partner um, for reference, we first talked about possibly moving to Southern Pines or to Pinehurst. I actually cried. I was washing dishes and I'm like, <laughs> I just, I can't imagine like going back there again. Like, you know, I, I felt like I established a, a good life so far for myself in Charlotte and that things were taking off. And uh, there was this stereotype, I feel like, surrounding being home and staying home or in your hometown here. Um, and it's, it's just this huge stigma that like, if you're here, you're doing nothing or you're going nowhere. And so I, I kind of had to like evaluate that and why I've cried and like what, you know, triggered that and understand that um, there's a lot of beautiful things here in Southern Pines and what they're, they're doing. And I'm excited to be a part of the community and it's, it is a smaller town, but I hope um, to meet like other musicians here. And I'm also hoping to dabble in some other genres with, musically. So I do hope that the change of scenery will inspire um, the sound of my music for better. I'm hoping to, to do some more instrumental work, um, like folky, 
definitely blues. I, I like rock, things like that. So I'm hoping to, to find people that play and um, kind of go in a different direction musically. I love that. And then, yeah, because as someone who is like, I, we grew up in the same town, um, <laughs> but our paths never crossed until we met a couple of years ago. But as someone who lives- That's so bizarre. I know, crazy. Who grew up in Moore County and still lives in Moore County, that's a conversation like, cause I went to school in Greensboro and my plans were to stay in Greensboro and then COVID happened and I lost my housing and I lost my job. And I was like, oh, cause I'm going back home. <laughs> um, and then throughout quarantine, the only thing that kind of kept me sane was like, okay, when I get back out, cause I can't stay here. Cause if I stay here, I'm going to amount to nothing or I won't be able to be a real artist or I won't be able to actually pursue my dreams in artistry. Um, and then here I am. <laughs> two, three years later, still in Moore County. But I think also being surrounded by other young artists and young queer artists and young queer Southern artists um, has helped me kind of take that lens of the town I grew up in um, that I very much looked at through my little high school eyes of like, oh, it's so small and there's nothing cool here and there's just old people involved. <laughs> and I was able to look at it with a completely new perspective we would hang out at Katie's place, um, one of our old coworkers from Artist Year, and we would all just like watch Drag Queen and like have our silly little Indian food. And just hearing everyone's experiences of my hometown from like in my perspective, like outsider views, I was like, oh, oh, actually, this sounds like a really nice place. And then I adapted that and I was like, okay, maybe this is somewhere that I can grow and succeed. And then I met Spencer, who has like the greatest um, uh, turning point in my life in the sense of how I view um, Southern cities and like Southern towns and being like, oh my gosh, there is such great people and under opportunities in an amazing art community that gets so overlooked because it's not New York and it is my hometown. And anyway, I could have lived anywhere. I could have lived in Nashville. I could have lived somewhere in Kentucky and I would have had that same thing. It's like my hometown. Um, I cannot be anything if I don't leave. So I feel that a hundred percent and I kudos to you for coming back and being like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take this bull by the horns and I'm going <laughs> to make it my own thing and I'm going to attack it how I want and I'm going to welcome it how I want. So yes, I love that. Good for you. Love you. <laughs> you know what's really interesting too, as y'all are speaking about this, is the amount of people I think who had this experience um, because of COVID in so many ways, because that was also what happened to me, is that you know you come back due to certain circumstances of the year 2020 that I think many of us went through. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be here for now. And like both of you, I probably did not. I mean, I no, I definitely did not think I would be here forever. I was like, oh yeah, I'll be here for a year or two. Right. And um, yeah, now here I am getting a master's in Southern studies, running good folk. And I, Victoria, thank you for the little shout out there. I like to think that we're all on this journey together. Right. So I am finding every day um, still overcoming bias against the South. And if you listen to our last podcast episode with Daisha, this is what we were talking about exactly this feeling of like you both, it's re you love it and you hate it because it's really hard to love a place that does not feel it loves you back. And I don't, I haven't even moved back to my hometown. I'm back in the South, but I, it's hard for me to ever imagine myself fully back 
in my hometown hometown and i i've been back there for the last like 10 days or so and i always feel myself like anytime i see someone i'm like oh, that's someone <laughs> i went to high school with or you know is that someone who knows me and this idea of being perceived in a way that is very uncomfortable and then what's funny is that people will come up to me that i knew from growing up and they'll be like oh, Oh my gosh, did you go to so and so high school? Like what's your did you graduate? I've been following everything you're doing now. Like I would love to talk to you more. And it's like you go around thinking this is a place that did not like me when I was 16, 17 and therefore it is not going to like me now. And it's fascinating and also almost heartbreaking to come back in your mid 20s and realize how much of that is me projecting onto a place, right? Because I wouldn't be who I am if it hadn't been for this place. I think all of us can attest to that, right? My art would not be who it is. My like writing, the, your music, Victoria photography, none of these things would be as they are without these experiences, good and bad. And um, Nia, I think that's kind of the point I'm thinking about when I'm looking at like your history with music and growing up in the church of, you know, having that experience leading you to where you are and you can hate it all you want and you can still know i wouldn't have what i have without any of this but it is so hard to come back and to try to love a place that you did not love at 16 and it does not feel like it's going to love you now if you are who you fully are and um i think it's also beautiful and necessary to do that work but we are in a time where I feel as though every day I am waking up to politicians and lawmakers and government officials and the people who get to make the say in the place where I live who are actively saying, I don't really care about what you do and your little art is not that important because I have all the power. But more and more, what we're starting to see is like art, it does have the power to change. And the world would not have gotten to where we are if it hadn't been for people, you know, sharing those stories and speaking out and making songs. And yeah, I love what you said at the very beginning of like, I am making the kind of music that the world needs to hear. And so I can't go into business. And I mean, you could, I guess, but but I won't. And I've, I morally can't because what I am doing is necessary and important. And if you are listening and you are an artist or you have ever wanted to make art and no one tells you that, I will tell you that because your your art in any form it is necessary and it is important. And I hope you continue to make it. And that goes for you, Nia, and for everybody listening. Wow, so wholesome. <laughs> I know Spencer speaks so eloquently. Like she'll just like throw these big words and like knows how to string together sentences. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite color? This is great. <laughs> yeah, gotta count how many times I say um. <laughs> <laughs> can't don't worry we, we can edit all that stuff out these days um Nia one thing I want to talk to you about is I think when we talk about the south and especially when we talk about southern artistry there is this tendency to treat it as a monolith right there's this idea that the music scene in Charlotte is going to be the same as the music scene in Nashville which is going to be the same as the music scene in um Columbia South Carolina which is the same as the music scene in Raleigh-Durham. And all of these are very, very different. Um, you've now had some experience in Charlotte. I know you've played some shows in the Triangle. You're kind of leaning more into the Southern Pines rural artistry experience. What has that been like for you? Was it totally a different world to step into playing music in Charlotte? Um, and you've, you've played quite a few shows. And 
you know, you've been named by quite a few publications. You've had some radio interviews, all kinds of exciting things. How has that been different? Um, did it feel just like a totally different world? And, you know, could you touch on the fact that this music scene is really different in every city? Um, you know, you're not going to go to Nashville and get the same thing as you are in Charlotte. But what are some of the things that you would think make Charlotte unique as a place for music? Um, yeah, I haven't had the privilege of touring yet. Um, I definitely think I will get to in my lifetime. But oh, it will happen from- for sure. <laughs> if you're listening and you want to set up a tour, you know, we're going to link to Nia's music. Maybe we'll even try to play it at the end here. But yes, give her a tour um, so please, I can go. Someone. But um, from what I've heard, it seems that Charlotte um, is very supportive of the musicians here. Um, it Well, there, I'm not in Charlotte anymore. But I think it's it's a very supportive atmosphere. Um, I haven't really had like any negative encounters. Everyone's always so um, overwhelmingly kind when you're performing, um, really eager to like get me in the door uh, to give me opportunities. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it would be a lot harder and a lot more rigid and scary, but uh, I'm finding that it's not. And I think in places like uh, New York City, um, or even on the West Coast in LA, I think it's a little bit more intense and so oversaturated that, um, you know, there is kind of that like jaded nature about um, exclusivity and who can perform where and um, not seeming like you're enjoying something too much because you have to have like this facade that like you're the best. And uh, I don't find that in Charlotte. So I think it's been a really positive experience. I forget about that. Uh, sense of that I guess that it would be oversaturated and that people have to have that facade of like I'm too good for you but also give me a record deal and money and things like I don't know that's just usually when I think of big cities I think of like oh everyone's everyone's got a chance everyone loves it there everyone wants to be everyone everyone wants to hear from everyone so I guess that's something unique to the south and not to like stereotype that everyone's really friendly down here but most times they're not people are like what can I do to help how can I give you a loving hand how can I give you a step up and I think that's something that gets overlooked and part of me it like wants to gatekeep that (laughs) that um everyone I don't know everyone just wants to help you everyone just wants to be loving and then so with that, how does someone who's small and uh, as a musician and wants to like get to the point where you are and start performing in their city, who do you look out for? How do you like outreach? Um, how do you find those communities that will welcome you? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Marcus, how did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think networking is the biggest thing. So. Uh, whether it's going to places where there are shows by local artists, um, following people on social media, um, just really putting yourself out there. Like anytime you're in a place where there's someone else who does like your craft, making that introduction or having a conversation and um, getting connected. So that way down the line, when you see things that are coming up in their lives, you can like, you know, communicate about that and ask, oh, how did you do this? Or how did you get this gig? And Um, that's really been my experience so far. I think just meeting as many people as possible Mm -hmm. and always saying yes. Um, I haven't said no to many things. Um, So just being in a position to understand that like 
you kind of have to take all the opportunities that you can and, you know, make the most of it, um, whether you get paid, whether you don't, um, whether you think it's small or whether it's scary, you know, just being like, yes, to everything. <laughs> <laughs> to yes. <laughs> Mia, I want to go back to the point on oversaturation because I think it's so great. And um, it's something I think about often. And, you know, when you're young and you're looking at where can I go to make the most of my art, there are usually a few certain places that you will get directed to. If you're in writing and music, that's usually New York. If you're in film and TV, that's usually LA. You know, there are other places in between, but those are always kind of the big ones, right? And one thing I found for me is like, when I got there, I thought that would be the key to like making my art flourish and shine, right? I thought that would give me that networking that you're talking about of like, oh yeah, of course, I just have to get there, right? You know, every TV show, every film, every book, it's all about just getting there. What nobody tells you, and maybe maybe we need like the resource guide for this, is like, what do you do once you're there? Because I too found... It's very oversaturated, right? And there's this ego of it of, oh, I'm better than that opportunity. But I also have to say yes to every opportunity I get because I'm a starving artist and I need money, right? Um, the best thing I, and I will preach this to people, I think the best and hardest thing I ever did for my creative practice is to leave that environment where I had all the networking and resources right directly in front of me because I found I did not know how to use them. I was terrified to actually start building these connections, and I did not actually know the difference between art that I was making for myself because I believed in it and I wanted to do it and I was excited about it, and art that I thought I was making to get me those connections, right? You know, it's like making a song because you know, oh, maybe this producer will hear it and love it, not because it's what you really want to do. It is so hard to get away from that, but I think often about how transformed my creative practice has been moving away from this oversaturation. When you do anything in the realm of a binary, you know, you are existing for this expectation and creativity naturally goes against all binaries, right? Creativity is like the language of the universe, which does not make any sense and is not a perfect order. Therefore, when you are going to make art that is really going to say something, you actually, in my eyes, you really do have to step out of those binaries to really do it differently. Now, the world also, the world that we live in, at least, does not really celebrate difference. So if you go to do that, you will find a lot of resistance. You know, I always comfort myself by reading stories of how many times people got rejected before they got their, like, quote unquote, big break. But this idea that the world is oversaturated with art, I actually think is false because it's not, there can never be too much art. It's that the world is oversaturated with the art that we think we're supposed to make, right? And if you decide to do it differently, and if you say, I'm going to go back to my hometown, I'm going to, you know, walk away. I, I, Mia, and I would love for you to talk about this in just a second, but you had kind of built up this pretty solid music career for yourself in Charlotte, right? Like you talked about, you cried when you found out you might not stay in Charlotte, because it's hard to build those networks. Like I don't want to dis I don't want to like disqualify that's not even the right word, but I don't want to say that this work to get to the networks isn't hard. But I do think it is harder to get it and walk away from it and say, this isn't working for me right now, or it's not possible for me right now, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not possible for everybody to just pack their life up and go where their artistry is based. And what we actually need to do is diversify the art world. 
But when you do that, I think there is an element of creativity, a new kind of creativity that can come out and you can really get back to like what it is you set out to do. I don't know if you agree with any of that. I don't know if you feel that you're having that experience now in that like I went to Charlotte and I did this thing and I worked really hard. I did all the things I said I wanted to do and now I'm walking away from it. You know, where, what what next? Like where do you go from here? How are, how are you dealing with that? I did not deal with it very well. Um, <laughs> but now we're here. So on the other side of that, I can be like, maybe I dealt with it better than I thought. <laughs> yeah, I think good folk is like, uh, I don't know the word, but it shows that maybe it worked out. Yeah, good folk is in many ways a coping mechanism. Yeah, good folk <laughs> is what I wanted when I left that community. And I said, how can I find this network? I can't find it. I'm going to just build it. <laughs> Sometimes these things can be beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think everything you've said is true. And it's very overwhelming to leave behind um, what you think is secure and the network that I had and still have, you know, it's just a little bit farther away. But I think I was just getting really tired um, of just being on the go all of the time and um, working like weird hours and just always being like on the go, you know, with music and doing shows and trying to figure out what's next all the time. What's next um, is a big thing in music. I'm sure with writing and photography as well. So I think coming to Southern Pines might be a nice opportunity to slow down, um, to just be out in nature, to take a walk, to think about the kind of music I want to be making, um, to get back to what inspired me to make it in the first place. Um, and just, I don't know, maybe I'll come out of this with a, a different sound. So I think it'll be a, a good experience. And I think sometimes you have to leave those situations. It's like you have to find these periods of boredom, right? I always think I don't create anything when I'm busy because I can fill my life with all kinds of things that keep me from having to like sit back and think. But creativity comes out of those times of boredom. And we all seem to know this as children and then we become adults and it's like, I can't ever be bored. That's like the worst thing in the world, right? But sometimes boredom is what is like necessary and what is important. Yes, definitely. I was never bored. <laughs> and I think that was probably one of the major issues. Um, I just didn't have time to think about um, just, I don't know, like what type of art I want to be making. So you definitely have to have some moments of just stillness. What is that type of art you want to be making? Would you say it's the kind of stuff you've been putting out into the world or is it something totally different? Um, I don't know. Not totally different. Um, in the similar direction, I would say, but I think just more honest, um, more about myself. I think I tend to avoid making art that has anything to do with like me as the main character. <laughs> so maybe exploring uh, more about myself and the things that I'm thinking, but just about me, um, not about anyone else. And Musically, yeah, just like tapping into different types of instrumentals, I think, will be what I do next. What are some of your biggest musical inspirations? 
Ooh, fun question. Um, <laughs> if you had to say, I know that's a hard question. It's hard. <laughs> Every time someone asks me, like, do you have a favorite writer? I just feel like I totally freeze. I'm like, I don't know. I like too many. Like, I've never seen a writer in my entire life. I know nothing about it. You're like, writers? <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I feel like I could give you other art forms. Like, I could name, like, my top five musicians in a heartbeat. But my own art form? No way. It's, like, too close to home. But if you had to say, like, the, the musicians that you feel influence your work the most, or at least kind of are, even if their music is totally different from yours, like, their journey is somewhere that you would kind of like to be, who would you say? Um, someone who is a reoccurring figure is Frank Ocean. I I just like that I don't think that there's a box for their music. Um, and I like the, the wording, like how poetic Frank is. So that's always something that is carried from one song to the next. Right now, I'm really into Mount Joy. Um, I like Harry Styles a lot. I like FKJ, Omar Apollo. Oh, it's good, Omar. right? Oh my god, <sighs> amazing! So, yes. yeah, just like I don't know. I've also been listening to a lot of like Beatles and um, there's this one person that I've been obsessed with lately. I think it's the Rolling Stones. Nia, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need you to make a playlist for us that we can link to. If y'all didn't know, Good Folk, I, I'm big on music. I do frequently put out Good Folk playlists. Yes. We will, Nia, you're going to guess make us a Good Folk playlist. None of it will and, go together. That's that's just, just a so thing you know. that's going to have to happen. No so. pressure or anything. Okay, yeah, sweet. No pressure. Oh my god. Perfect. As we know, I live for Sometimes chaos, I like, so nothing like I do a really goes slow together. song, sappy, yeah. sad, and then I'm like, let's listen to heavy metal. And now country. <laughs> yes. So it'll be like We that. love diversity within the music. I will be driving to work sometimes and I'll be like listening to like a really like slow like smooth song. And then I forget I have like queued <laughs> up is um uh, oh my gosh! I'm so screwed up again. Oh no, Pierce the Veil. I have Pierce the Veil, just like loaded next. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I actually appreciate that you mentioned country because I think a lot of people, when they go to make it seriously as an artist, right? No, and like you're laughing, but the, I, this is a real thing of people who are like, yeah, but country music's not real music, right? Like I used to always say because I oh, wanted same. to take my music taste seriously as a kid, right? <laughs> so people would be like, what do you listen to? And I'd be like, anything but country. Same way people are like, anything but Taylor Swift. Yeah, and like to be honest, I feel bad sometimes because I am kind of a like, yeah, anything but Taylor Swift person. I'm working on it. Y'all can come hate on me for this, but. I love Taylor. Yeah, but I do, <laughs> but, but realistically, I mean, country music, like, you know, I'm getting my training as a folklorist now and I'm looking at it of like, it tells a story, right? In a way that a lot of other music doesn't. And I think, you know, especially if you are a Southern musician, that is one of the many histories and traditions you're working with. You know, down here, I think our biggest music genres these days, you've got country, you've got kind of soul music, you've got gospel music, and then you've got this kind of new emergence of Southern rap. Um, there's Southern rock too. I guess we have to include that, but <laughs> we can't leave out country. Right. And so I, I really deeply like appreciate that you were like, yeah, that's something I listen to. Um, I don't do you feel that it has ever influenced your music, even like subliminally. Um, there's a song that I have that has not been, oh, excuse my dog, um, that I have not released yet. And it is 
influenced by i would say like a folkier sound i'm not i don't think i'll ever fit in the country realm <laughs> um i love listening to it though so i think that would be like one song that i can really hear the influence and i didn't even really listen to country music until Alyssa, because um i was still in that kind of like almost <laughs> country phase but just like folk i'd be like oh folk is it's okay all though. an unlearning process everything yeah. we do now i'm like oh wait can you play that one song so i can listen to it with the windows down in the car <laughs> something yeah. about driving along like a country back road with the windows down and some kind of folk song playing if you know you know <laughs> and if you don't you'll listen to nia's curated good folk playlist and you will try it Mia, you mentioned Alyssa and Alyssa's influence on your practice. Could you tell us a little bit more about Alyssa? Because I think when you listen to Rabbit Hole, you can almost track Rabbit Hole is Nia's EP that was released. Um, you know, I have gotten to experience this with you on a personal level, but you can tell there's an influence of some people um, and likely one person. <laughs> Could you tell us more about that? You know, you mentioned your mu music moving forward. You want to tell us more about who you are. So who are the people in your music and who are you? Yeah, most of it is about one person. <laughs> and the one person is Alyssa. I, I think for a long time, I still felt a lot of shame about um, being out and music i kind of like dabbled and like would throw hints but i was still really afraid to do that so i think like being with her um really kind of pushed that process forward where because i'm so proud of our relationship and i love her that the music that i'm writing um in terms of love i'm also proud of and i i want to share that you know with whoever wants to listen so um i think she was really an intricate part of me like accepting who I am and making music that also hopefully inspires others to accept who they are as well. So yeah, definitely probably that would be what came from being with her. She's downstairs with me right now. She's wearing this like cow, <laughs> this cow robe. <laughs> so every time I see her move, it makes me laugh. I don't know if there's a way to like show you that. No, I love that what you talk about of this process of creativity is and, and getting back to like the work you really set out to make. It also is about accepting yourself and embracing, you know, every facet of who you are because you can't share yourself through your art in the world if you aren't like fully accepting of who you are. And I think to go back to like what we were talking about earlier, so much of that also has to do with accepting, you know, these places that made you. Um, I used to always joke that I was like, born, I was born in California, lived there for like six months. And I'd be like, yes, I'm a Californian, right? Like just totally run from all of this. And then I had a moment where I was like, there's um, a great documentary about a band, speaking of music in North Carolina called the Ava Brothers. Um, if you don't know the Ava Brothers, I highly recommend you check them out. I will link them here. They actually are from just outside of Charlotte, from a town called Concord, which, well, Concord's not even a town these days. Concord's like a suburb of Charlotte. Um, 
I grew up for a long time also in kind of the suburbs of Charlotte. So I'm a little familiar with this area. But they talk about how when they grew up there, they kind of grew up just like out on a farm, like very country boys, right? But always wanting to be rock stars. And so when they turned 18, they just like packed up and left and tried to do the whole like hard rock kind of thing. And that eventually, you know, they were making it and they were doing it all in New York. And they just talked about how it never felt right. Um, and one day in the in the documentary they made, which is about they were recording a new album at, um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's Rick Rubin's studio in Malibu. I'll, I'm blanking on it now. I'll think about it. But they were Rick Rubin is an amazing music producer and he has this, oh, Shangri-La, of course. Shangri-La is this um, studio in Malibu that people like go and record full albums at and, you know, they paint the walls all white when you get there. There's like no furniture. So it's all about like you're making this album as like a reflection of yourself. Anyway, it's very cool. Um, the documentary is amazing. We will link to it. It's called May at Last, which is about their album. But they had this line where they said, eventually we realized you know, we couldn't run from being Southern, so we might as well lean into it and see what our art would look like if we leaned into that side instead of, you know, turning away from it and not embracing it. And then when they embraced it and started making music that kind of existed at the intersection of that world of rock and that world of like the country folk side they grew up in, that was when they really took off. Um, and now they actually both live back in Concord, which is very cool. And I remember I heard that and it was like, something unlocked in my mind. It's like, oh yeah, if you can't run from it, what if you tried to lean fully into it, you know, and see <laughs> how that goes? And I feel like that's similar to almost where you are in your creative journey at this current moment of like, you know, when I talked to you a year ago, I know you were still talking about maybe I'll go to New York and <laughs> I'm going to get the email like and, and now you're living back in your hometown and y'all can't see on the video. Nia's like literally in the basement of her new house. <laughs> and it's like if if someone looked at us a year ago, they were like, OK, not only are you not going to be in New York, but you're going to be like back in Moore County and <laughs> you're, you're going to be in the basement like recording this podcast, you know, <laughs> but how? It's almost terrifying when you think about it. And yet it can feel quite right. But do you think that's almost where you are of like, okay, I am going to just have to lean fully into this and see where it takes me? You know, I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, that kind of is where I'm at. Um, yeah, it's a great uh, film. If you haven't watched it, like totally changed, blew my mind when I was like 19, trying to figure this all out. So good. It sounds really good. Um, it's a beautiful story. And I think, um, yeah, it's good to go back to your roots and where you're from. And because a lot of it explains why you are the way you are. So um, I'm excited to kind of investigate some of those things. And um, hopefully I like most of what I find. So where are you in terms of what's next for your music? What comes next for Nia J? Oh, the, the scary question. <laughs> like, I, I asked this to Dasha too, because I think a better way to reframe it instead of like what comes next is if I was the person who was going to give you that email, right? I've got 10, 100 grand and the networking connections to whatever mm -hmm. you want. What would you, what would you want to do? What would your dream project be? Hmm. I think I really still enjoy um, the idea of doing everything in shop with music. So I probably would be in some sort of basement like I am now, 
probably finished. Um, this isn't. See, Mia, you don't even need the email. You're already there. You've already got it. Say, so you're just describing got... your current situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit better of a basement for recording purposes. But yeah, I probably would get holed up in a basement with some instrumentalists that I think are really dope and um, with photographers and videographers that I also admire, um, like filming everything, coming up with like visual ideas. Um, that would be like a beautiful world because I, I think I'm really um, in that headspace to make something new now. So that would be what I would do. I do want to touch on quickly, and y'all might be able to hear this this lovely thunder. We love the South um, rolling through the background across North Carolina right now. I love what you talk about of like, even if you had all of the money and all of the resources, you still believe in the power of like, I think you described it as homegrown art, right? A couple of other musicians I've interviewed have talked about, you know, this new scene that's emerging of like people just doing it in their basement, right? Uploading things to SoundCloud, mashing things up, seeing where it goes. Um, I think that's an amazing process. And I think it's really cool to witness creativity kind of come back into the hands of the creator. You know, it's the same thing with self-publishing or blogging or TikTok too, of just to say, you know what, for so long, all of these industries were controlled by a bunch of, you know, men with money. And um, I don't have to play by the rules of your game anymore, right? Who are some artists that you think, you know, are doing this? Um, like, do you follow anybody? And if someone is listening and, you know, they're a young musician or, or not even young, but just somebody who kind of wants to get started in music. What are some things that they could do? You know, earlier you talked about networking, but like having a basement, you know, you were talking about recording all of this stuff in a bedroom. Is there equipment you need to get? Um, are there websites? Like what are some things that you would recommend? And, and if there are any people that you know that, you know, that you really look up to and admire that are doing this, who, who are they? My network in Charlotte, they're all doing this. Um, and I don't think I would have if I didn't meet them. So definitely Ike, um, a friend of mine, Tajani, um, an amazing bass player and also makes his own music. Um, there's so many, like I, I could go on a tangent about how many, but yeah, definitely don't think that you don't have enough resources to make your dreams a reality. Um, Platforms like DistroKid are really good for uploading your own content. Um, there's lots of, um, oh, there's a rights organization that I use for publishing. Um, super easy to find and it's all accessible now. Um, there aren't as many gatekeepers, you know, in the way. So just really Google is your best friend. If there's anything you don't know, just look it up and it's all there. Um, I constantly just like, Google things all day and watch YouTube videos um, to kind of get an idea of like how to accomplish things. How are you feeling about um, TikTok and the rise? I feel like TikTok has become such a big new music platform, especially for this kind of like homegrown creator, you know, people posting videos and just like going viral. Are you on TikTok? How do you feel about it? <laughs> I am on TikTok. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not a social media girl, um, which kind of, it's really hard when you're a creative of, of any kind because social media is probably your best friend right now in this day and age. But um, I, it's like another thing I can find myself getting like lost in for like an hour. So I try to avoid it. But in terms of creating content for it, it's great. Um, I love that, you know, you meet or you reach 
um, a completely different audience that you may not have otherwise, unlike Instagram, because it's, you know, not just people that follow you who are viewing your content and engaging with you. So that part's great. But um, I definitely think social media like TikTok uh, is to most of our advantage, um, you know, because it's just a completely different audience. I know we are coming up on our hour time here. Um, we do ask every guest on our show one question to wrap up. And I will preface this by saying that you can take it any way you would like. So you can take this like literally, you can take this spiritually, you can take this metaphorically. You know, we have our own stance here at Good Folk. Um, it is amazing how often that's to align with our guests and with our listeners. But my final question for you for tonight, and we need to get Nia back on here to do like a mini <laughs> masterclass in how to make it as an artist for sure. But Nia, I'm scared. What do you believe in as an artist, as a person, as a creative, as a Southerner? What do you believe in? <laughs> I believe in kindness. I will say that I believe in kindness. I think um, in your relationships with others, um, always seeking um, ways to show someone else kindness, some way to help another person um, either get to where you are or get to where they want to be. Um, always like cheering everyone else on. I think kindness is kind of the key to, to a happy life. I love that. Like I said, it is amazing how many of the people we get on here are aligned with our mission, which I think just goes to show there are good folk everywhere. We are all out here. We are all on this journey together. I always say, you know, the unlearning process is hard. It is lifelong. It looks different for everybody. But the important part is that you do it and also that you know you're not alone. So we are here. We are so happy to have you here, Nia, and I'm happy personally to have you back kind of in my realm of things. And I'm hoping we can get you up soon in kind of the Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill area to play some shows. If you are someone who is in that area who has networking connections for Nia um, for <laughs> getting shows there, please reach <laughs> out and let us know. Yes. We are so excited to see everywhere you go. Um, I definitely want to get you on tour. I want to go see some of your music. And we're going to play some here at the end, if that's okay with you. Is that okay? Oh, my gosh. That's such a beautiful thing. Thank you. <laughs> so we are going to end tonight with Victoria's number one most played song last year and a beautiful song by Nia. This is Hazy by Nia J. If you have not followed her already on social media and Spotify, we will link to all of that. Please do so. And with that, we bid you good night, good morning, good afternoon. Stay good. Be good. Here is Hazy by Nia J. Don't want to go there, but maybe we should. If love doesn't live here, nothing else could. So tell me I'm crazy. I don't think you would. The feeling is hazy, but don't it feel good?
my line We talk from nine to five about nothing Just saw you but I miss you Don't know that I am into But last night I dreamed I kissed you isn't nothing Just might think I like 